Good morning, little church. <laughs> good morning. It's so good to see all of you. It's so good to see all of you. And we made it. We made it. We made it through another year. A few more days to go, but we can all say, yes, we made it through another year. Um, and, you know, it's a cliche sometimes to say what a year it's been. It has been a year, but we have made it, and we're here to make it through another year. So just glad to see all of you. This sermon today is a little bit of a collaboration um, because we are going to be looking at two main passages, and the one we're going to be going through quite a bit is in Isaiah 41. And in the men's study on Tuesday night, we have been walking through Isaiah, and as we've gone through, as we hit Isaiah 41, we have spent weeks and weeks in Isaiah 41. Um, and you'll see why as we get into it, because I think it is just a, just a message for us as a people today, and how much Isaiah, I think one of the things that struck me the most about Isaiah is I've never really studied it before, never really taught it before, of just how much it really hits as to what we're going through as a people today. So we're going to be looking at that. But as I was looking at Isaiah 41, and this was back um, in late November, I was really struggling with, okay, if I'm going to use Isaiah 41 as a message to deliver today at the end of the year, I felt like something was missing. Like, why are we going into this passage? And I was really struggling with it. And on December 1st, I woke up like about, well, I wake up really early in the morning. My wife and I get up pretty early. But I got up, and I was, I remember sitting in my chair, and it was about 6.45 or so, and I was really just, really struggling with what passage to use other than really Isaiah 41 as to why we're going to Isaiah 41. And then what happens every Sunday at 7 o'clock, I get a text message. And I get a text message from Nan back there. Because she sends out every day at 7 o'clock in the morning to a group of people, she sends out some passages. She sends out a passage from the New Testament, and she sends out a passage from the Old Testament. And I actually didn't know how she went about figuring out what these passages were. And I asked her, I said, you know, how do you do that? And she said, well, I just get up in the morning, and I just open my Bible to the New Testament, and just pray, God, give me a passage. And God gives her a passage. Then she turns to the Old Testament. God, give me a passage. And God gives her a passage. And then she sends that out to this whole group of people. So I was really struggling that morning, December 1st. And she sends that text message at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I looked at the New Testament passage. And I said, that's it. This is the passage to take us into Isaiah. This is the passage, really, to take us into the new year. And I want you, if you can, to turn to that passage. It is Romans 15, verse 4. Romans 15, verse 4. And I think, yep, name you have it up there. So this is what the passage says. It says... For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Let me read that again. For whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction, 
that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Now, as we take a look at this passage, I want you to look at just the beginning of that, because it says, for whatever was written in the former days was written for our instruction. What is it referring to there? Well, this is Paul writing, so the New Testament does not exist yet. Paul is saying everything in the Old Testament, every word, every chapter, every book, everything in the Old Testament was written for us today for our instruction. If you've ever thought about, well, why do I want to go back to the Old Testament? There is your reason right there. It's because it is for us today and for our instruction. Now he says, then he tells us, why do we do this? Why do we go back to the Old Testament, which is what we're going to do in a few minutes. We're going to go back to Isaiah. Why do we go back to Isaiah? And he says that through the encouragement and through endurance and the encouragement of Scripture, he tells us why do we go back to the Old Testament? So we might have hope. We are a people of hope. This is what differentiates us. We are a people who says we have a hope that we're looking going into next year, into every year after that. Why would we look into this next year? We want to go into that next year, 2022, with hope. That is why we've been given this, these scriptures. That is why we've been given our God, is to give us that hope. And, and when I think about what is that hope, there is a quote that I want to read to you that I think really captures what that hope is. And it's, it was written by, well, it was actually part of a sermon given by a guy named Wattie, William Waddy. Um, he is the president of United Theological um, College in Jamaica. And he preached a sermon on hope during Advent. And this is what he said that really, I think, captures the essence of the hope and the uniqueness of the hope that we have. He says, May I therefore suggest that this is our unique contribution to the world today. It is to offer the biblical message of hope from the God of hope to a world of shattered hopes. I love that. Our hope, it is, an, it is to offer the biblical message of hope from the God of hope to a world of shattered hopes. And then he says, but first, all we must ourselves be seized by that hope. If we're going to offer that hope to the world, we ourselves must first be seized, grasped, taken that hope to where it is what controls us, is what we think about it, what leads our lives, and what drives us into the new year, is that hope. And that's what Paul says here. He says that's what these scriptures were written for is to give us that hope. Now, it notes how he says it. He says, in our translation says that we might have hope. But when you look at that word, we might have hope, the have, we might have hope, the actual Greek word says really like what Wadi said, to be seized by that. The word actually means take hold of, to grasp that, that hope. The word means to take hold of someone's hand, like when you grasp someone's hand. That's what we are to do with this hope. We are to take a hold of it. And then we come down to the question, how do we do that? 
And that's what I want to look at today. How do we grasp that hope? How do we get seized by that hope? So we take that hope and tell the world about it. And what Paul does is he tells us how we get seized by that hope. Because look what he says. He says, again, for whatever was written for instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of scriptures, through the encouragement of scriptures, how do we get seized by that hope? We get seized by it by letting these scriptures, letting our Bible encourage us. You know, I asked the guys on Tuesday night um, a while back, I asked them, well, so what's this Bible for? And we came up with as many different answers we can give to that. But if anybody ever wonders, what do we read this Bible for? If you ever wonder that, why do we stay in this Bible? Why is it I'm excited? Patty's going to do the journaling of it. Why do we do it on Tuesday night? Why do you read this? Why does Nan open this up every day? It tells us that we've been given this to encourage us. That the word, the scriptures are given to be our encouragement. How many of you need encouragement today? Anybody? (laughs) A few, okay? Probably all of us. Especially during these times, we need to be encouraged. And it says that this word is what is that gives us that encouragement. And that encouragement then gives us the hope that we go and we tell the world. So what I want to do today, and my hope and my prayer, is to actually do what Paul says here, is to go into Isaiah and look at a specific passage in Isaiah, and it could be any passage, we choose in all the Old or New Testament to encourage us, but I want to look at this passage and see how does this word encourage us? How does it say, keep on going, (laughs) and we all need that, like keep on going, we're going to make it through another year. We're going to get through this. How do we do that? Through that encouragement. So I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 41. And that's what we're going to be looking at, Isaiah 41. And we're going to look at verses 8 through 13. So Isaiah 41, 8 through 13... And I actually, we're going to just keep that up there the whole time. You'll see, on, um, you'll notice that actually um, 11 and 12 are missing, because I'm just going to go through that quickly. But I want us to take a look at this, and just to set you a context. In Isaiah, in this place that's what we're reading right now, this is a little different. This isn't just Isaiah hearing from God and saying, okay, this is what we want, God says, I want you to tell the people this. This is actually God in heaven through what's called a court scene, where he is speaking directly to his people. He is speaking to Israel. He is speaking to the people that he's chosen, and he's speaking to them to encourage them. Because the people at this point in time have been exiled. They've gone from their homeland. They've been exiled into Babylon. They're wondering, okay, God, where are you? Are you going to bring us back home? Where is our God? They keep asking, where is our God? And this is God now from heaven speaking directly and personally to his people to encourage them, to say, I am your God. I am here. And I want you to look at how it opens. In verse 8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, 
the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. This is God speaking not just to Israel, but this is God speaking to us today. How is that? How is it that this written thousands of years ago is God speaking to us today? Because if you take a look there in verse 8, it says, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham. It's very interesting. I don't know if you know, I know actually some people are getting genealogy tests and saying, let's go back and look at our genealogy. Let's see where we all come from, all right? Well, what you find out here is it says, God is addressing the offspring of Abraham. In Galatians 3, Paul tells us that if you have placed your faith in Christ, you have become part of the offspring of Abraham. When you place your faith in Christ, you instantly have a new genealogy. That genealogy goes all the way back to Abraham. And Paul actually uses scripture there to say what was spoken back then is to us today, which is also to us, little church, today. And listen to the language. This is a God who so cares for us. Listen to what he says. He calls us, you think about what's my identity Who am I? He tells us the basis of that identity here. He says, who am I? He says, you're my servant. You're the one I've chosen. I'm your master. I am here to take care of you. He says, I have chosen you. I have personally chosen each one of you here. And then he uses the most intimate language and calls us, if you look there, he says, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. There is nothing that gets more personal and more intimate than God to say, you are my friend. God calls us his friend. That is the level of intimacy that God has with us. And what's interesting is he repeats himself here. He doesn't just say my servant once or I have chosen that I have chosen, but he says it again. He repeats it again. And he, it's almost like in verse 9, if you notice that he's, he's, he's talking, God's already talking. And then he says in verse 9, he says, You whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from the farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you, not cast you off. It's like God saying, listen to me. Look what I'm telling you. I'm talking to you. It's like, listen, I'm talking to you again. He's just again wanting his people. He's wanting us to really hear him to say, you're my servant. You're the ones I've chosen. You're the ones that I'm speaking to. You're the ones that I'm encouraging at this point in time. And then, starting at verse 10, he gives what we need to hear. (laughs) The people back then who were in exile needed to hear it. Two words. Two words. Verse 10. He starts out with, fear not. Whatever you're going through today, whatever your family's going through today, whatever this community's going through today, whatever the world's going through today, God's resounding message to his people back then, to his people today, is over and over and over again, fear not, fear not, fear not. You have nothing to fear. 
focus on the Lord. Focus on him. Listen to him. He is telling us, the God who created us, the God who saved us, the God who sustains us, the God who keeps us all here today. He says, whatever is going on, fear not. And why? He says, fear not because I am with you. Why do we not need to fear? Very simple. God is with us, everyone. I mean, do you really, I mean, if we really fully got that, that our God, the God who created the universe, the God who made everything we have today, he is with us now. He is with us. The entire message, have you ever, if anybody ever asks you, what's the message of the Bible? What's the message across the whole thing? You can give them this answer, that God is with us. From the very beginning of Genesis, when God is with Adam and Eve in the garden, all the way through all of his people in Israel, all the way here, he says, I am with you. And then what did we just celebrate? And I think Jeff wrote this, um, read this during our Christmas Eve, um, during our Christmas Eve service. Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. When Matthew announces that, when Matthew records that, and he says, this is the announcement, Emmanuel, that God is with us, meaning that he is with us, he is going to bring his son into the world. And now Jesus is going to be with us. And then what does Jesus say at the end of, very end of Matthew? The last words of Jesus at the end of Matthew as he's being ascended into heaven is, and I will be with you. And then you go all the way to Revelation 21, to the second to the last chapter, when everything is getting wrapped up. Jesus has come again. We are with him. And God announces and says, I have come to be with my people. This is the whole message of our faith. This is the message of the Bible, that God is with us today. He will be with us tomorrow. He was with us in the past. God is with us. And then he just repeats again, which is really, do not be, dis uh, be not dismayed, which is really fear not again. He's just saying again, don't fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed because guess what? I am your God. This is, the, this, this is the encouragement we have from these words, from Scripture, from God to just say, as you go into this next year, you have nothing to fear because God is with each one of us and he's with us collectively. And then what he says next um, in verse 10, he says, I will strengthen you. So how are we going to get through this next year? He's telling us right here. He is the one who's going to get us through. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Three things he says. I will strengthen you. I will help you. And I will uphold you. There's nothing else we need. <laughs> nothing else we need to get through this next year to have a God who's going to give us the strength, the endurance to get through it. He is going to help us in any way we need to be helped. And if we start to fall, <laughs> if we start to waver, he is going to uphold us. 
But one of the reasons why we also study Scripture, not just read it, but actually study it, and you don't have to know like Hebrew or anything to do this, you just start reading commentaries, and I had never seen this before because you don't see it within our Scripture here. Um, it doesn't get translated. A small little word in Hebrew. And it says, notice how it says, I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you. Well, in between I will strengthen you, where that comma is, and also I will help you where that other comma is, is a little word in Hebrew. The word means moreover. So he's really saying, I will strengthen you, moreover I will help you, moreover I will uphold you. Why is that important to know that? This little word called moreover. Because I want to give you a little illustration of that. So, take this glitter, okay? This will represent that God will strengthen us. This represents that God will help us. This represents that God will uphold us. Three separate things that God says. But this is what the word moreover means. It means not just three separate things that God will do. This is what it means. It means that I am going to take... And God says, I am going to strengthen you. Then he says, not only am I going to strengthen you, but I'm going to help you. And not only am I going to help you, but I am going to uphold you. What is the difference? It's still all three. But this is all of it. It's got what's being said here is God saying, I'm not going to just strengthen you, but on top of that, I'm going to help you. On top of that, I am going to uphold you. He's going to do all these things for us. That means nothing that we go through cannot God take care of. Every part of it, he piles all this on of who he is as a God and says, I am going to take care of you. Why do we fear not? Because he will strengthen us. Moreover, he will help us. Moreover, he will uphold us. And how does he do that? (laughs) How does he do this? It then says he does that with his righteous right hand. In the Bible, when God talks about his righteous right hand, he is referring to his hand when he says, my righteous right hand, I will do this. What he's saying is that it's through God's right hand. Metaphorically, God has his right hand is his power. It is what makes us so he can strengthen us. He can uphold us. He can help us. It's the right hand of God that is the power of God that makes everything happen. It's the right hand of God that keeps this world together. It's the right hand of God that is the power to do everything we need in our lives and everything in this world. 
And God says, I can take all those things, and with my righteous right hand, and I'm going to just read to you, you don't see it up there, this is also what he can do. He says, Behold, all who are incensed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. Those who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. Those who war against you shall be as nothing at all. Anything you think you have coming against you, in any way, God's righteous right hand says, anything I will turn into nothing through the power of his righteous right hand. Now remember I told you that hope is something we have to be seized by. Hope is something that we have to grasp and take hold of. This is God's righteous right hand. But you know what? Have you ever thought of it? What does God do with his other hand? Kelsey? (laughs) So Kelsey has told me a couple times, my other daughter, she has said, well, you always say, you talk about Allison when you talked about me. I said, okay, well, you get to get up with me today. (laughs) All right? (laughs) You get to do this with me. So I want you to notice... God's righteous hand of power that strengthens you, that helps you, that upholds you. He now says, with my righteous hand, if you want to have that power, what does it say you are to do? It says, verse 13, For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. What does God do with his left hand? His righteous right hand, he takes and grabs your right hand. That's our God holding unto us. <laughs> now I want you to notice this is how our relationship with God should look. Because what we try to do instead is we try to say, you know what? I don't really need you, God. I can sort of take care of myself. I don't really need to hold on to your hand. And if the right hand represents trying to make things get done in our lives instead of God doing them, it's like she's taking her right hand. She's saying, I'm going to do it. I don't need God. I've got all the power in my life. I don't need God for it. And God says, no. The power and the strength to get you through is in my right hand, which means you've got to take your desire to do whatever you want to do, and you've got to grab God's hand Take a hold of that hand and say, okay, God, I'm going to live by your power, by your strength, by upholding you. And when we do that, look what it says. It says it is who, when you grab a hold of his right hand, he says to Kelsey, he says to all of you, he says, fear not again. Once again, fear not. I am the one who helps you. I am the one who helps you. When you grab onto God's left hand, he is the one who would take you through whatever you're going to go through. That is his power to do that. Thank you. So you can see here, as you look at this, this to me, I look at this and I go, what else do we need? <laughs> what else do we need to get into this next year? What else gives us hope than looking at this? 
What else gives us that encouragement to know that we have a God that simply says, fear not, I am with you. What do I have to do? I just simply have to say, not try to do it myself. I just have to grab God's right hand. Now, I want you to turn back to Romans, where we were in Romans 15.4. Because if you ever doubt when you're reading scripture, it's God speaking to you. We find out right here, Paul tells us, this is how we hear God. This is how we get encouraged by God. Because look at 15.4 again. I'm going to read it again. It says, for whatever was written... In the former day was, was written for our instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And then who is the one who gives us that endurance and, script, and that encouragement? Look what it says. Through endurance and through encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement. He is the one ultimately. As we read this, as we hear his word spoken to us, it is. This is why we're in this word. It's because as we hear it, it is actually God speaking to us. And right here it says that he is the one that ultimately is going to give us that endurance. He is the one that is going to give us that encouragement. As we sort of close this and taking a look at this today, we as the people of God today, there's something a little different than what was going back in Isaiah's time. In Isaiah's time, God spoke to his people in a certain way. Today, God still speaks through his word, but in a little different way. And I want you to look at Hebrews, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2. How is, again, this word applicable to us today? Because notice what Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says. It says, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. That's how God used to speak to his people before Jesus. That's what he did in Isaiah. He's speaking through a prophet Isaiah to his people. But it says, but in these last days, which is we, by the way, live in these last days, these last days he has spoken to us by who? By his son, whom he appointed to be heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. This is what we just did. We just celebrated yesterday, Christmas. We just celebrated the birth of the Son of God, who is God with us, who now through Jesus, he is the one who now speaks to us through that. And if you turn then to John, I want you to take a look at at John um, 14. How does that work? So in John 14... So John 14, beginning of 16, I want you to see what it says there. It says, well, first of all, God, uh, Jesus has just said, if you love me, this is in his upper room before he goes to the cross, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And then um, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. Notice here, and I had never seen this before, honestly. Notice that Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. 
Before Jesus goes to the cross, he's telling them, when I leave you, I'm bringing someone else in my place. Notice how he says, another helper, which means who is the helper right here speaking? It is Jesus. All right. He is the another. He is the one before he sends a spirit, which is the another helper. It is Jesus who is that helper when he's here on earth. But do you know what the word helper actually means in Greek? It is exactly the same word encouragement. The encourager. Notice how we saw in Romans that it says the encouragement of Scripture. Jesus, when he was here on earth, Jesus Christ is our encourager. And that word helper actually means encourager. And so he says, when I'm going to go to the cross, how is it now? When Jesus was here on earth, God was with us through Jesus. How is it that God's going to be with us today? He says he's going to be with us by giving us the spirit. And where does that spirit now live? When we place our faith in Christ, that spirit lives in us. The very presence of God, that when God says, I am with you, that means he is closer than I can be even to my wife, closer than I'm holding on to Kelsey. God lives in us. God is with us. We do not need to fear. And then Jesus puts it all together. And so the last one to look at, Jesus says in John 6.63, where he sort of pulls this all together, he says in John 6.63, he says, it is a spirit who gives life that now lives in us. The flesh is no help at all. The flesh is like when I try to do it myself. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. When we read the words of Jesus today, those are him speaking directly to us because now that spirit lives in us and the words that are in us, he says, those words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So as I close, we always like want to say, well, how do we apply this? Well, I think we can see we apply it right to ourselves and encouraging one another. But I want to end by looking at Romans 15, because Romans 15 now tells us, now that you know that this is God with you, that he is the one who encourages you through his word, what does that mean we are to go do in 2022? If you ever wonder, what is my calling? What should I, you know, what is it that God's calling me to do? Right here, Paul tells us. Because in Romans 15, 4... And I'll read it through again. Listen to the whole thing together. He says, For whatever was written in the former days was written for instruction that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to what? To live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all know we have a world with a lot of division, don't we, right now? What will bring us to unity among ourselves, among the world? If we do what it says here, if we Go out and don't just be encouraged by Scripture, but we go and become the encouragers. 
You can't have division if, you're, if your focus is encouraging one another. Just think about that. If you have other people in your life and you go, oh, they have different views with this, I can't believe that, you know, and there's all this division that takes place, go and encourage them. Because when you encourage one another, when we do that, then our focus is on Christ. And we will not have division. That encouragement of one another will bring us together. That is this word that as we go into 2022, be encouraged. Stay in this word. Come to our Tuesday night men's group. Go to what Patty's going to do with the journal thing. On your own, be in this word. Let God encourage you. And then as he encourages you, go tell someone else that. Encourage someone else with it. In fact, I almost think of it like when God said he had his righteous right hand and we're to take a hold of his left hand, it's like when we encourage each other, what we really are trying to do is say, you know what? Fear not. God is with you. Let me help you take your right hand and put it in God's right hand to be your God that you can say, fear not, for I am with you. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this, getting us through this next year. Thank you for being the God who strengthens us, the God who helps us, the God who will uphold us. Thank you for being the God who lives in us. And Father, if there is anyone who does not know you and hasn't placed their faith in you, I pray right now, Lord, enter 2022 with this faith of God that brings that presence of God inside of us, Lord. May we be a people who are encouraged through our God and go and encourage others through him. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want to close with a benediction as we go from 2021 into 2022. Happy New Year, by the way. Next time I see you, Happy New Year to all of you. Okay. And so this is what, this is in Romans, just a few verses later. And this is what it says. And this is my benediction to all of us. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Amen. Have a great day. Happy New Year.